Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Are they are they faking it? Like like giving him an effeminate walk so they can No, it's his real walk. Anthony and I are just talking about this guy who's making all kind of trouble on the internet, on social media. What's his name, Anthony? Andrew Tate. So this guy's famous because he's a misogynist, right? Essentially, yeah. And and they're I guess Facebook is trying to promote him by canceling him off of the platform, so now he'll become a bigger thing, right? On other platforms, of course. Yeah, inadvertently, yes. No, maybe not inadvertently. Isn't that interesting? So if you if you fire somebody from a platform, that drives their energy. Maybe they use it to vandalize the other social media platforms and create political pressure for them. The world is a crazy place. That's why this gamification thing intrigues me. You have any thoughts on what you heard about on the outline of gamification, Anthony, that I discussed with Thomas? Yeah, I mean, I just think that's kind of where our society is at in general. I mean, uh, I was comparing what you said to how high school girls use Instagram, and that's a game to them. If you don't get at least 50 likes on your picture that you just posted in your bikini within the hour and have a couple guys commenting on it, then you want to delete it. And it's this whole weird game that makes you think you're not good enough or not valid enough uh, just because you don't get this outside validation from random people. Yeah. When in reality, all For of this... superficial things. Yeah. It means nothing. You put a photograph up. It's a measure of how popular you are, which in general is an in, runs in inverse to what kind of value you pursue internally. It's judging you on the outside. And if you're cute or, you know, have rock star looks, then you get lots of action, I would think, in terms of social media likes and things like that. Yeah, so have you watched my, uh, or seen my? Oh, no. Are are we touching on to your social media issues? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But I have heard about kids who are afraid to, uh, you know, like they, they send, they have their friend go to a party. Their friend's going to a party, and they hand their phone and say, take a picture of what's going on at the party and upload it to my Instagram account or whatever they're on so that they can be portrayed as having been somewhere they weren't so they can be socially acceptable. <laughs> I mean, that's that kind of no, stuff. But that's, gross. I mean, it's that people use social media like that now. It's, it's crazy. It's, I mean, it's come full circle that people are just trying to show you something and it's not real life. It's all just, it's all fake. 
So I wanted to run this idea of gamification, how it impacts, because my mind started going crazy when I was listening to a podcast uh, this morning. Let me play a cut of what they discussed. But I think the most potent thing about games is the way they manipulate our agency, the way we enter into this like alternate self. We lose our agency in, in that because of the rules of a game, we are not, and this applies to real life, but listen to the 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 metaphor of it how it works in a gaming environment we lose our agency that is the designer of the game decides what the rewards are and what the challenges are what you have to the hoops you have to go through to get to the finish line and and be a winner in the game and thus you lose agency and that's i think where you can see the greatest power of games and their greatest danger the greatest power of games is that you can explore this landscape of different agencies. The greatest danger of games is that you can get sucked into this just craving and wanting to be in a clear, crisp, potential universe where you know exactly what to do and exactly how it's measured. Exactly what to do, exactly how it's measured. So we like getting inside of systems where the measure of success is clear where somebody else makes the rule or the rules, somebody else keeps the score, runs the scores for us, and decides who's winning. Now, these what struck me when I heard this idea, because this premise is on games, but then you realize how social media works, like we were talking about politics on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you're discussing it, but Twitter is the powerful social media that that matters most in politics because all the media is there and they're responding they're, the media folks think what's important in the world comes off of twitter that's where they get their indication and things in twitter things on twitter go crazy because well maybe the type of followers you have are very devoted so they ring you up a lot of likes and the more likes you get, the more your tweet gets pushed out to more people by the algorithm. And then you become a hotter property. So then the measure of whether your idea is good or not is not about whether your idea is good or not. It's about whether you happen to have the criteria that leads to something being retweeted a lot. The more thoughtful, intelligent, insightful writer who writes on politics and posts on Twitter might not get lots of retweets so he's not viewed as being as powerful as maybe somebody who's trashy or knows how to write a headline for a tweet in a particular way that gets a lot of people to like or retweet that tweet so this is the weird sense in which i feel like games are like an existential bomb for like the horror of life like a lot of the life is like you don't fit you have to do things and it sucks and it's horrible and it's boring and in games for once in your life like you know exactly what you're doing and you know exactly that you can do it and then you have just the right amount of ability to do it it's a feeling of concentrated crystallized action so think about that in relationship to real world <laughs> games what, what does that make you think about? That makes Anthony? me think of when I just go and play video games to just, like, escape my real-world problems and just... Well, how, just, about, how about just... I was thinking it from your perspective 
I was thinking about it in terms of how you feel about sports. Why, uh, you know, in your 20s and your, you know, for 20-year-old males or males in their 20s, sports is so wonderful because it, it synthesizes life down to this overly simplistic thing where you get to be macho and strong and fast and compete. And the score measure, the measure of success, isn't about how thoughtful you are or the different aspects of yourself that are, are being developed or how well you can relate to people and how much you have to give to other people and all the complexities that normal relationships and, and normal life action have. And suddenly you get to measure yourself by which team you're rooting for and how well they're doing and why they're better than the other team. All these dumb things that make no difference. Well, honestly, I look at sports differently than that. I look at it as I love it because it brings me something. Like I almost look at it like food. It's something that brings me together with people around the country, especially like when I'm in a new place like this last year. Big part of like how I bonded with new people was going out to bars and watching games. And, you know, if there's a Giants fan or a Patriot fan, I'm going to bust them a little bit and they're going to bust me. And it's, you know, I get yeah, to so know them. It provides like that. an easy social hook. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I almost like when I don't have someone who's rooting for the same team next to me. You know, it's like kind of a weird bond. Because you lose the camaraderie. Yeah, yeah. I like having that like combative, you know, kind of fun nature. Yeah, it's a very male yeah. thing that that we've uh, that, that men have worked on through the decades. I think <laughs> yes. there's certain ways of talking and razzing and and where you, by the way, which have all of these qualities that that we're talking about. Like there's a certain way you get to relate mm -hmm. that doesn't require of you that go that you go to hard places. Do you have to care about the person you're having this relationship with? Or can you just have the fun? You can spend three hours with them, talk about everything in the world, walk away, and not remember who they are. Uh, well, I have a pretty good memory. I'd probably remember them. Oh, a week later, a month <laughs> later? Do you, you know, you don't, there's not an intimacy that develops, I think, is the point. And men like, we like, in general, we like situations where we don't have to share our inner selves because we're not practiced at that. And it goes against the idea of, um, of you know, the primal male character that keeps everybody safe is that we're the warriors and we protect the weaker sex while they do the softer, nicer, relationship-oriented things. Now you sound like Andrew Tate. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. That's just what we do. I'm not saying we're limited to that or we should be limited to that, but I'm saying that's what... I, I think things like um, sports and the celebration of sports, we like the simplicity that these guys are talking about in these cuts I'm playing and that we don't have to be in a world that's more difficult. Or that requires us to integrate with yeah, that's, who are different. <laughs> that's why I like uh, football more than politics. <laughs> yeah, well, football, it, it's easier. I understand it fully. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> 860-522-9842. I want to talk more about this, and I'll, I'll ask some questions and see if we can get a little conversation going. But we've got rants to play as well, so uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll continue on WTIC. something from the Todd Feinberg show listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast so this talk about gamification there is a method to my net madness because all this relates to politics 
And I think this is what they've done to us in terms of political management. They set up these false measures all the time. They narrow the game down to a, something they can control. For example, they um, Jolly Ned, when he's, he's campaigning for re-election by using our money to transfer to you in exchange for your vote. This is their methodology. That makes a certain game. They teach us that we should expect. Democrats are doing this aggressively. Teaching voters that voting isn't about having principled government and having uh, or having effective government. It's about voting for the people who give you stuff. And he runs around talking about how he's the big giver. He's the guy who's going to give you the most stuff. And that gift of stuff then becomes a measure. Elections. What are elections but popularity contests? Name recognition first and popularity with an overlay. They've taken away the idea of choosing people who could run our towns or cities or states or country in a way that would enrich us and make us proud of the kind of country we have in exchange for simple games. They've turned elections into games of popularity and name recognition. And this is what they've done with education. Basically, if you start looking at government, you realize this is how the systems work. And the person who designs the game has the control over how things work. I'm just, I'm totally fascinated with this concept. It does, I think, throw games into a different light to say something happening all the time in our life is we are adopting being given goals that are attached to constraints that are measured in certain ways and that we can only achieve using certain means. And oftentimes we don't have a deep consciousness of it. Oftentimes it is happening in a manipulated way. Oftentimes we don't think about it very much because it's simply the, the water we swim in, so to speak. See, this is our, uh, this is our political system. He's, he's describing right here in my mind. Your thoughts, please. 860-522-9842. And that games are the art form where one, that is done for us in a dedicated way, but we choose to, to opt into it. But two, potentially one where we can begin to manipulate that part of ourselves intentionally. We can begin to see how it can be manipulated. So the key to this is to have very narrow measures for what is success, like the schools. That's why they started doing the quantification in standardized testing. Now, standardized testing isn't in and of itself an evil idea, I don't think. But in our society, where government has developed to be a thing that cannot do things, it cannot function. For example, I sent out a tweet today. I'll have to find it and read you what it was. But the tweet was a quote from a story about the, the giveaways that Ned is using to buy votes, that Democrats are using to try to buy this election. And... He taught that's all Ned talks about when he campaigns is what you're getting. What is the free thing he's giving, which is targeted, of course, at the voting blocks that he wants to make sure are particularly active in turnout in the next election. Now, the, the game is very narrow here. They take our money, create benefits, drive those benefits to their voters and then use their bully pulpits promoting the thing which 
anybody who understands how government works and understands how politics works would be appalled at what they are doing with that money and how they're trying to distort the idea of electoral politics by turning it from us choosing the person who we think can run our state or town or whatever the entity is the best, take it from that and make it into, well, who gives us the best stuff? That's who we'll vote for. And that makes it a useless system. It makes, us, it, makes it a damaged system. It ruins it. Elect, I don't know if electoral politics can survive because it's been turned into this narrow little game where the idea of what politics is supposed to be has been lost to this gamification where a vote becomes a like on social media that's where we are i think as a country and this is tragic for us because we used to be the richest nation on earth because we were the richest nation in the other meaning of the word we had the best education we had the most driven people we had the system that rewarded as freely and in as uh, random a way as possible the efforts of those who were driven to make great things happen and now our society is based on rewards going to those who manipulate the rules of the game in such a way that their side can benefit from the gamification of politics that is who likes them ned is a uh, in terms of talents is a very limited character but it does seem that his life has been dedicated to tricking people into thinking he's a good person and because this is the skill set he brought to politics that seemed just innate to him that he understood exactly how to win in politics by having a certain affability and saying certain phrases my door is always open there is nobody who has ever found Ned Lamont to be available and eager to sit down but he says when he's campaigning oh well come by and see me or give me a call or drop by the office and we'll talk about it and all this is just game playing because what do we know what do we know eight six zero five two two nine eight four two really what do we know we are being toyed with we are being games and manipulated because they keep moving the goalposts and really the game's gotten for us now to a point where we don't even know what the game is because they tell different people at different times when talking about different issues a different explanation of how of what the particular grift is that they're running eight six zero five two two nine eight four two we'll take some phone calls play some rants when we continue on wtic Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Good afternoon. It's Friday. Yep, I'm always amazed that Friday happens every week. Such a glorious day. A weekend to follow. Weekends are too short, though. If you were to change the proportion, how would you do it? Three-day weekends. That's all you think three is sufficient? I do, yeah. Four days. We could get we could get good work done in four days. Give us a couple extra hours even. I don't care. Oh yes, but what if you could restructure things altogether? Uh, let, let's work two days. <laughs> but but the thing is, would we be happier with five days off or would that be so open ended that it would be torture to go to work for two days? And we'd hate it. We'd hate the burden of the, the interference even more. We need a better balance either way. That's for I sure. Think, like, what if you could just add a day into the weekend? You'd still work five days, but you'd get three days off. Just add, no, just add days to the year? <laughs> well, forget about the structure. Let's yeah. reinvent it. Why does the year have to be 365 days? Well, because the Earth rotates around the sun. Let's change the whole premise. Oh, now you're going to just really make science people mad. Let's now. not be base 24 or whatever it is. Why are there 24 hours in a day? That, that, that That's random, isn't it? Where did the 24 come from? Uh, I don't know. The sundial? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where it came from. I have no idea. Can somebody answer that, please? <laughs> why do we have 24 hours? A day? Why aren't there, there uh, 15? Why aren't there three hours? One to sleep, one to work, and one to watch Netflix. 860-522-9842. Those are some questions that have also been bouncing in my brain. Mark's in West Hartford, as usual. Hi, Mark. Why is your show only three hours? I don't know. I don't get that at all. Todd? Yes. Anthony, he's not hearing me. Can you fix Mark? Try it now, Mark. Oh, I said, I said, why is your show only three hours? Yeah, I don't get why that is. That's a really interesting question. Hey, Todd, I just sent you, did you see the press release from this morning or you, you watched the news about on Sunday, 15,000 low-income households are going to receive a back-to-school Two, COVID-19. 250, is that what that is? What's that? 250? At 250, well, it's an odd number. $257.87. Where did they get that number from? I... <laughs> But Where do they get these numbers, these people? I don't know, but i got to ask you a question, because you said you were involved in with a politician and campaigning, too, or not necessarily campaigning? You mean when I was young? Yeah. Were you involved in campaigns? Yes, yes. I worked on so, campaigns, and I uh, worked in a congressional office for Ed Markey when he okay. just got elected to Congress. It's like 40 years ago. He's now oh, the yeah. senator from Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. He's nuts. Um, so... There's got to be some legality to running a campaign. You probably, right? You got to fit. I'm sure there's some. Oh, there's tons of laws, if that's what you mean. Yeah. So, how does our local news 
because I count them as being part of the campaign for all the liberals in Connecticut. Oh, so absolutely. Newspa- whether it's a newspaper or television, it's like he's got free campaigning going on and somebody should look into it. it and it sounds like a joke, but they really are assisting him. Oh, of course they are. They're not doing it because they care about Ned Lamont, but they don't want to have to spend any money. The people who run the TV stations don't want to have to spend any money to generate the content. They want to send a reporter to one place, ideally, get multiple stories from the same place, and have them drive one mile back to the station and get the work done. You know, they don't want the news to be too far from the station, and they want one-stop shopping for multiple stories. And they want the governor to be, or somebody important, quote-unquote important, to drive the story so that it looks like they're in the center of all the happenings in the state. And also go unquestioned. I mean, at this point, nobody even asks, like, okay, where's this money coming from? I know you're pulling it from somewhere. 15000 times 257 and change adds up to something. No, that's right. They don't, they don't ask questions. It's like what happened with uh, Paul Hughes from the uh, Republican uh, American the other day where he was he was like begging for mercy for forgiveness uh, from the governor because he asked him a question it's just a question uh, I'm only uh, asking Ned, Ned was standing his ground one thing he didn't do with me on my two questions no he, he turned his back to me and walked away because he I knew you couldn't be bought Mark ah uh, well, it depends on what time of the month. If i got to pay the well, mortgage, you never know. He knew you couldn't be intimidated <laughs> at that moment. you got a point there. Uh, have a good weekend, guys. Thank you. Good to talk with you, Mark. I wish I knew where I had uh, Mark's file stored. I would play it. Let's talk to Jack next, Colchester. Hi, Jack. Hi, Todd. I uh, just wanted to um, put up the answer for the 24 hours in a day. Oh, you know this stuff? What are you, a scientist? Are you a Rhodes Scholar? What, give us your credentials. Uh, I find some interesting books at Goodwill and Savers, mostly. Oh, good. Those are good places for books. And wh- what did you learn about 24 Hours? Why do we have that? Um, well, if you look at, like, uh, Sumerian uh, tablets that have mathematics on it, there's a base 10, which is what we use. I have an Apple system. tablet. Is that as good as a Sumerian <laughs> tablet? Uh, it won't last as long, that's for sure. <laughs> but, yeah, but, so uh, the, what does it tell us? An older counting system is base 60, which is uh, the sexagesimal system, because uh, 60 is the number uh, like below 100 that has the most factors, because originally instead of counting, you know, like 1, 2, 3, 4, uh, like we do, uh, more primitive societies tend to uh, divide things by half, then half, then half, then half, so... The, you can get to 60, and it, uh, 12 is a factor of 60, uh, 24 is a factor mm-hmm. of 60. The original calendar year was 360 days with, like, five throwaway days, so they counted it as 360. Does that mean, Jack, that you're telling us there's no good reason why we have uh, 60 minutes and 24 hours in a day, other than that if we wanted to go in halvesies, it would be easy? Uh, because it's like a, it's a rotation. It's a circular motion, so... When you think of a circle, you know, you tend to divide, divide it into halves and halves and halves rather than, you know, like a 10 degrees, 10 degrees, 10 degrees. Well, I understand that makes sense in some way. I don't, I don't know why it's necessary. Do you see it as being necessary, or are you just explaining the system? Um, well, I mean, I think it's when you're dealing in things that have a cycle, it, it makes more sense to divide, you know, 
things up like time that way. But like other than how, that, it's just because it's easier for a non-literary people to divide things. Right, right. But now half. that we have computers and stuff like that, like you look at a clock now and it says 342, and then you look away. Do you, do you, I, I have this problem where I don't know what time it is after I just looked at the clock because it's just numbers. So the visual right. works for me. I'm a visual person. But I assume everyone's different in terms of what they comprehend and where their inclinations are. Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, food for thought. I just thought you might want to know. That's awesome. You will now be our official spokesman when we want to talk about base 60 things. Is that what you All call right, it, base 60? Yeah. Well, thank you, Jack. Appreciate hearing from you. What did he call that other kind of tablet? Not an apple, but a... <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Had you heard that? I well, you went to Catholic school. You didn't know what he was talking about? I, I assume that was something from the Bible. It, yeah, I'm sure it is. I, you know how anti... <laughs> yeah, but you still had to study it all those years. <laughs> yeah, Let's yeah. check with Dave and Branford. He knows everything. Hi, Dave. Hey, Todd. Happy Friday. Happy uh, Friday the, to the you. The topic I've been waiting to unpack on you, with, you were talking about the uh, LGBTQ safeness in the Hartford School, which was headline news recently. Yes, And they, they got all jazzed up about that. I am a Luddite. I'm an old-fashioned guy. And uh, attendance at school was very important in my family. And a little bit of a humble brag, we've got a couple kids. One went to four years of high school, never missed a day, got a little award for it. And another one had the grade school, never missed a day in five. So we're big on attendance. Once upon a time, the schools used to work very hard to get first-day attendance as high as possible. And mm -hmm. the, uh, the newspapers would publish that the suburban towns had maybe 96, 97, 98.5% of the registered kids would show up for the first day. And the big urban schools would routinely run up a 76%. A, a quarter of the kids didn't bother to show up. Oh, well, it was the first day. They knew the really good, intense work wasn't going to be going on yet. It didn't even start. And so my wife and I were getting a little racial slur here. A lot of your... Uh, lazy single parents in the urban areas, you know, they're too lazy to get up and Yikes. wake up, dress and feed the kid, uh, they, and they don't show up for school, and it's despicable. And so uh, I've noticed what Mark from uh, West Hartford noticed, that 257 bucks of a backpack stuffed with good stuff. Yep. We don't ask any responsibility for getting that free backpack full of your notebook and pencils, and we just give it to you. How do you win votes giving uh, requiring people well, be responsible? So it's a simple thing. They should get free money at the uh, the book fair. When my kids went to school, this is capitalistic, there'd be the big publishing houses would have kitty books in the library or mm -hmm. the cafeteria, and the kids would go in once per quarter, and they'd have their nickels, dimes, and their $10 bills, and they'd buy the books they wanted to buy. But at least you asked the kids to get your free stuff. Go in and look at the books. Pick out the ones you want to bring home and read to better yourself. We don't just hand you a backpack for free. You don't have to do nothing. We just give it to you when you get on the bus. That, that is everything that's wrong. But I, I'm trying to maximize attendance at school is very important. Uh, one of the aphorisms I got from a movie, it actually was a Woody Allen movie. I'm sorry to say his name. So many hate him. Uh, let me read it. It was 90% of success in life is just showing, showing up. up. Yes. Just showing up. However, I look at it differently. What, isn't it better to have the, the kids who are disinterested in school to not be there so the ones who are interested don't have to deal with the, the noise and the clutter generated by those who are 
hostile towards the idea of being there. Yeah, I agree with that. But then the kids that are the noise and the clutter, they become roadblocks on the road to life for the rest of us as they age. And so I kind of come down that even if they don't want to be at school, they need to sit there quietly and uh, read a book if you don't want to listen to the teacher. Uh, they need to be there. Unless you're violent or you're a rapist, they need to be there. That's the only hope they have. I, I agree with alternative schools. But mm -hmm. whatever school you pick, you've got to be there, and you've got to have... Hartford used to have a fellow named Marcus Camby, who was a very good uh, basketball player, yes. who went to UMass. And they'd have him out there agitating to get parents, get your kids to school. They don't even try anymore. It, all the effort is, the, you know, the latest craze of the moment. LGBTQ everything. It's a safe space for your well, kids. Plus, the, plus they, give you, uh, they give you diplomas based on your age rather than your performance. So it so, makes being there a lot less important. So, Todd, for the next two weeks or so, I'm going to bother the several talk show hosts about the importance of having your kid go to school. Whether it's a good one or not, the material is there if you care to use it to read the books and absorb the product. Well, you it can, can be a bad school in general and be a good school for you, too. So, Dave, yeah. thank you so much. Bye. That's one of those areas of the gamification areas, by the way. School gets measured. Oh, yeah. We want you to show up. We want you to be able to pick the right circle out of five more times than other people. These things are narrow ways of measuring educational success, aren't they? 860-522-9842. More calls coming up on WTIC. to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. 860 wtic Grantline 860-751-4698. Off we go to Ellington. Hello, Matthew. Hey there. How are you? Thank you for the call, uh, sir. listening to you, actually, for the first time. I, the uh, first time ever in your whole life? In my whole life, I swear. Okay. And um, I, uh, I lived uh, in Connecticut until I was about 30 and live out in Michigan mm -hmm. now for the past 60 years in West Michigan, uh, where, where, uh, where Betsy DeVos's hometown. Cool. And um, I, I just picked up my dad's car because he's um, visiting here. He's letting me take it, take it for the night. And, uh, and it was preset to WTIC, so you turned it on and you heard us? It, Exactly right. It was Wonderful. turned on, and he and actually, when I got in the car, I shuttled him back to his house. He said, "This guy's smart. You you should you should listen to him." So I I was just going to say that about your dad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, but so then I started listening, and I, I just heard you basically say that you you don't think compulsory education is important to what makes this country awesome. No, not at all. Idea, uh, no, 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 sir. You said that the kids that mess around and goof around and don't want to be there, maybe they just shouldn't be there. And that is such a cop-out. We have a responsibility to have compulsory education for all of our children, whether they're in the city, whether they're white, whether they're black, whether they're gay. And to, for you to bring up the LGBT community in relation to kids having to go to school or not, like, you're really, you're really reaching hard. I, I didn't bring that up at all. 
with, in relation with, to the with, the... with the gentleman who said he was a Luddy, talking about LGBT. This has nothing to do with the gays. This has everything to do with ensuring that our future generations first generation to 500 years from now are smart enough to know that when they hear someone like you, who clearly has no clue what's really going on in the world, and sit here and talk about why is 24 hours, uh, why is a day broken into 24 hours? Dude, Google it. Wikipedia. Like, are are we really having a conversation about this right now? And then just going to say, oh, we don't they're the kids that don't want to be there. Forget them. What, what do you think happens when they get out of school? They have no skills. Okay, can you finish? Because I want to have a chance to tell you what I do think so we can have a conversation about all, that sure, instead sure. of all your misinterpretations. The um, You said it pretty clearly. No, I, I actually didn't. What I was I was being a wise guy, and I understand it's open to you interpretation. Don't have listeners that know you're being a wise guy. Sure they do. You're yes, most most people aren't listening for the first time today, Matthew. Matthew, calm down, please. I only have a minute before news. I want to tell you. Matthew, my, I believe we should have a system of education which is market-based so that there can be a school that is responsive to the right. needs of any children, to any child. Right. Well, and yeah. that so would like not said, be... I, I now live in Betsy DeVos' hometown. And Michigan, our actual, the, the town I live in now, is the mm -hmm. model for exactly that. And you know what? It doesn't work. There are some schools that are good, but I drive by as I get on the highway, I see a corporate office building that says, that says uh, a university for kids and, and five different signs up there. I don't remember what they are, but there's for-profit for school. This is, this is five miles from my house. And you know what? I got a grade A public education at Ellington High School. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate that I was into school. I paid attention. I read all the I read all the words. It was difficult. I got good grades. I was in So you class. think the I only way to get class. good education is to is the one you had thirty years ago? No. I had I, I graduated in two thousand four. Now I can tell you my brother who's who's seven years younger than me he did not like being at school. Mm -hmm. He uh, was a troublemaker because they didn't, they didn't find a way to make it real for him. Right. That said, now that he's an adult, yeah. to, to think about, oh, we should have just, he didn't want to go. We shouldn't have made him. That's bonkers. Like, that makes zero sense. And, you know, I know that what you said was, you, you, you're in jest, but th there's this whole story being told right now about how our schools are are they're getting our kids with the gays and with the sex. Well, I'm not talking about that. Talking about I I'm, I'm talking very seriously about schools, grade. Matthew. Matthew. The only reason they're going to talk about anything related to LGBT if there's a kid. Matthew, in I don't. It's got nothing to do with anything I said or think about education, the gay thing. What I'm talking about is that there should be a system that allows kids a choice in where they go to school. Those schools should be excellent. They should require the same kind of vigor from all children, and they should have standards for outcomes. And there's no way market-based systems fail unless they aren't structured to be truly market-based. I'm not up on Betsy DeVos's uh, 
charter schools or whatever she has, but it's obviously not a well-configured system if it's not working because market-driven systems can't fail. They always are the best system. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 